This morning, I want you to hear from the man who leads our fourth and fifth grade uh, group called The Edge, along with a whole bunch of volunteers. Some of you are in the room today. Uh, Matt Bateman, would you welcome him as he comes and preaches the word this morning? Hi. How are you? That mic falling off. It's okay. I'll move it back. I have to have straight lines. In the edge room, there's like this line in the carpet, and everything lines up perfectly centered. And there's a line right down the, the middle here, so I'm good. Well, uh, good morning. Before we get started, I'd like to pray for us, so if we can take a minute for that. Uh, Lord Jesus, I, I thank you for today. I thank you for the chance that we have to be here, uh, to learn more about you, to to dive into your word, Lord, to, to learn more about your Holy Spirit today, Jesus. Uh, I, I ask that as I, as I speak, that it's your words that are being said. It's not coming from me, but it's coming from you, Lord. Uh, and, and God, I, I ask that you open the hearts of these people so that your word can go directly in and you can impact their lives. Thank you, Jesus, that you give us this time. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Amen. Wow, that was weak. Good morning. morning. I'm good. I told I told the edge kids that the next time I had to do that and they were in here, they had to yell because you guys are too too quiet. Um, But they're not in here. It's a bunch of empty seats over there. Uh, Well, it's been a packed couple of last weeks that we've had. You know, last week was Mother's Day, and I hope all you moms felt honored. Did you feel honored? Wow. That okay. Some people are failing in your life. I, I do. I hope you felt honored. I hope you felt blessed uh, and that you felt loved by by your kids and your family. Um, but the week before that, my wife and I got away and we got to go to the Just Us Marriage Conference. Um, we had a blast. We got to learn all sorts of uh, new things. Oh, there we are. I forgot that we had the slides up of us. Um, we got to spend time with friends. We got to eat good food. Uh, we even got to know a little bit more about each other. Uh, and we got to, oh, wow. Okay, that's a good one. That's what you get when you're ask, your wife asks you to pose nicely. Can you go off of that for me, please? Thanks. Anyway, we, we, we had a lot of, a lot of fun. But, but Mark Warren came and he spoke and, and he, uh, he taught us all about uh, personality types and how and how our personality types work together in a relationship uh, in as a couple and my wife and I learned something interesting we learned that we are almost the exact same personality type the only difference is that my wife is an introvert and if you didn't guess I'm an extrovert but I also learned something else interesting that my wife has a whole lot of flaws and I don't have any I am a perfect, perfect husband, and I just got validated. That's all. So go, if you're a husband, go get validated. No, I'm just joking. No, we have, we, since we have such a close, a, a close personality type, you know, the things that she does that annoy me are the things that I do that annoy her. And, and we learned these little things about each other that, that we have the same blind spots. So it was a great time just to, just to be able to get to know each other a little bit better, get to know our personalities, and, and get to, get to have a, a topic of discussion of how we could improve our marriage. Um, I learned a couple other things over the weekend, like Eddie Hansen loves, uh, peanut M&Ms. 
like pocketfuls of peanut M&Ms. Calvin Moss is a bear wrestler. LeConnor businesses have the weirdest hours, like open until at least five. Um, And then if you decide to go to bed instead of staying up and playing games with your friends, you're designated as Grandpa Bateman. Um, But I also learned what a Red Bull spritzer was, and that is like sweet nectar from heaven. And that is courtesy of Stephanie Brorsma, who taught me that. So I will be forever in her debt. You know, but even though we were gone, we got to stream the 9 o'clock service. And, and I was extremely excited about that because this, this series that we're in, Filled, is really important to me. It, it speaks deeply to me and, and our lives, that, that how the Spirit works inside of us. You know, I think that there is this, this mystery that we have uh, when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And maybe it's because he, uh, God the Father is tangible to us in the fact that we all have fathers, right? Or maybe it's that Jesus, the Son of God, that he actually walked the earth, right? So, so he's more relatable there. And, and the Holy Spirit doesn't have that tangible aspect for us. So we struggle to relate to him a little bit more. But my hope is that through this series that we can get to know the Holy Spirit better, how he works in our lives, and we can have a closer relationship built with God as we learn. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, My mom taught and still teaches Sunday school. My dad uh, was an Awana director, and each week we would go to church. In the summer, uh, I'd be with my parents in church, and the rest of the year I'd be in our children's church program. And I learned all about God. I learned about Jesus. I learned all the Bible stories that kids learn, you know, David and Goliath. I learned about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Gideon, all of them. Um, I could quote scripture to you. In fact, I would tell people, my mom told me that kids would call me the preacher kid. You know, I, I was always telling people about Jesus. In fact, there was a time that uh, I was in fifth grade and I, a kid in my class talked about how he believed in reincarnation. And I told him, you're going to hell. And... I thought I was doing a good thing. Turns out, he went home, told his mom. His mom called my mom. I got in trouble. The funny thing is, he used the wrong word, and all he meant was the resurrection, not reincarnation. So so he was all good. I wasn't, but he was all good. You know, but while I knew all about Jesus and I told people about him, secretly, I had no relationship. I felt no connection, and I had never actually given my life to him. The words out of my mouth said that I had a relationship, but there was no evidence in my life. By the time I was a freshman in high school, uh, I was already smoking. I was doing drugs. I was drinking. I was constantly stealing, including stealing alcohol daily. This life had a control over me. My sin had control over me. You know, each one of us has this sin nature. It's, it's what we call the flesh, and it's been passed down to us from Adam and Eve. And it's something we can't escape, but we really need to understand and know about it, because this is what keeps us separated from God. You know, we live in this world where when a person has sin in their life, it must be somebody else's fault. We, we start out as good people, but then things happen and, and we get changed. Or, or 
something in our brains must be out of balance to, to make us do the things that we did. And while there are some things that happen that way, the core of who we are is our sin nature. In fact, an article on, on CNN recently stated, we are hardwired for goodness. It's easier to recognize this fact when you think of children. You know, and that's an interesting statement, since I don't think there's a two-year-old out there who has had to be taught how to be selfish. Uh, my three-year-old, a few, a few weeks ago, he, was, he did something wrong, and when I confronted him about it, he looked at me and he goes, I didn't do it, Dad. God did. I'm like, dude, if you're going to pick anybody to blame, you like went the wrong direction. You went all the way to the top. You can't get higher. But he hasn't been, he hasn't had to be taught how to lie. He hasn't had to be taught how to sin. This is his natural sin nature. This is our natural sin nature. Are you ready to hear about all about the people that you are? That I am? What's in our human nature? Galatians 5.19 When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Welcome to North County Christ the King. Our job here is to make you feel good about yourself. (laughs) You know, that's a pretty complete list. You know, uh, we are not good people. We're out of control because we're controlled by sin. In Exodus 20, God calls Moses to the mountain and he gives him the law. And as Paul says later, he says, the law is good and spiritual, but it doesn't save you. All the law does is show you the sin in your life. We can preach the law. We can preach about sin. We can preach about Jesus and saving grace. But none of it does anything for us alone. It is through the surrender of our lives to Jesus Christ in repentance that we are changed. When we choose to make that decision, we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. That means that he comes and he dwells inside of us and he regenerates us. He makes us into a new person. He gives us a new spiritual nation, a new spiritual nature. And we're given a new life. Second Corinthians 517 says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. When we hear that, we should be excited, church. I should hear an amen. Thank you. As Christians, we have a new life free from the power of sin. Free from the bondage, not controlled by it anymore, but controlled by the spirit of Christ living in us. Romans 8, 2 through 4 says, And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. 
who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Point number one in your notes. We are controlled by one of two natures, sin nature or spirit nature. While I had definite better years, most of my life continued to be controlled by that sin nature. When I was 30 years old, I went to my parents' church, and the pastor gave a message about heaven. When he talked about it and he described it and the glory and how beautiful it is, I was so excited to be going there. Or at least I thought I was going there. And then his message changed a little bit. And he started talking about the difference between knowing who Jesus is and knowing Jesus. He started talking about this relationship, about about this repentance and surrender. And I realized in that moment that I was never really a Christian. Yeah, I believed in Jesus. But repenting is literally turning away from your sin, and all I did was relish in it. That sinful nature is opposed to God. Our lives point in the direction of what is controlling us. And it should be obvious what that control is. Either you're controlled by your sinful nature, and as we read earlier, the results are fighting and anger and lust and impurity and on and on and on and on. Or we're controlled by the Spirit, and our lives produce fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. This world we live in has, has this distorted view of goodness, and it thinks that there's a third direction, a middle. A middle where, where you can dabble in that over there but still give control over here. This is where I was living, in this lie. In this lie that there is a third direction, that I could give my life to the Spirit and still live in my sin. But Romans 8, 7 through 8 says, For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. That day... I gave my life to Jesus and I received his Holy Spirit. I invited him to start working in me. I had a new nature that was in control. I had the spirit nature now. But that's where the battle started. See, I'd given control to the spirit. He'd made me into a new person, changed my direction. But that doesn't mean that the old sin nature is actually gone. A battle starts fighting Inside this new spirit nature against the old sin nature I'd get invited to parties and it would be it would be difficult to say no or to step away and and admit that it was wrong Or or somebody would do something It would be difficult to react out of kindness Instead i'd react out of anger and hostility Daily I felt this battle inside me spirit versus sin galatians five seventeen, the sinful nature wants to do evil which is opposed which is opposite of what the spirit wants and the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires these two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions 
And we're spending a lot of time in Paul's teaching on this subject. But who better to, to, to teach us? I mean, this was the guy who used to be called Saul. Who The first thing we see of him in the Bible, he's holding the coats for the Jewish leaders as they stone Stephen to death. And it says that he was in complete agreement. And we learn how, how he, he persecuted and he arrested and, and he wanted to kill Christians. That is, until he met Jesus Christ. And he received the Holy Spirit. And his arrow pointed from sin to spirit. And he took a new life. But the thing is, Paul teaches that there's still is a struggle. Romans 7, 21 through 24. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? But there's good news. Who is that good news? Okay, that's... Who is that good news? Okay, if you're new here today, I've got, I've got a clue for you. Nine out of ten times, the answer is Jesus. And if you shout out Jesus when it's not Jesus, nobody's going to look at you weird because you're in a Jesus house. Okay? But there is that good news. That good news is Jesus. If you're here today, you need to know that new, that good news is Jesus. Romans 7.25 says, thank God the answer is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is in the release of bondage that we are given when we receive his spirit. But when we receive the Holy Spirit... It's not just a one and done situation either. It's not like Jesus says, okay, here's my Holy Spirit, regeneration, complete, live a holy life. Wouldn't that be easy? That's kind of a bummer. It's not like that. No, there's, there's this process. It, it, it keeps going. It's called sanctification. And it's this continual filling of the Holy Spirit in us. In John 4, we read this account that of a conversation that Jesus has with a Samaritan woman. This is in the middle of the day and it's at a well. And, and what, we, what we know is that since the middle of the day was hot, people wouldn't normally go to the well in the middle. So, so she's probably there to avoid people because there's something going on in her life she doesn't want anybody to, to know about. But Jesus is there and she sees Jesus. And, and, and he asks her, for some water and she gets shocked because first of all he's a jew she's a samaritan jews do not talk to samaritans and they definitely wouldn't drink water that came from the hands of a samaritan and then on top of that she's a samaritan woman it's scandalous but here's jesus and he tells her if you only knew the gift god has for you and who you're speaking to you would ask me And I would give you living water. She's super confused. Because because he doesn't have anything to draw water with. And then on top of that, this well was dug by Jacob, their ancestor. And who's going to dig a better well and get better water for her than Jacob? 
She doesn't know what he's talking about. But Jesus paints a beautiful picture of his Holy Spirit in our lives. John 4 continues. Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. A fresh, bubbling spring, continually flowing, continually regenerating us, continually filling us. When we receive His Holy Spirit, we are born again. We are made new. We are given a new life. But at the same time, we become spiritual babies. We're immature. And the Holy Spirit begins His filling and begins to mature us. You know, I was at the gym the other day. And by the gym, I mean... That I was on my couch. And I was doing curls. And by that I mean I was bringing an energy drink up and down. And I started thinking about working out. Not like actually going to work out. But just thinking about the process of working out. I have been in a gym. There are people. Maddie Gerlach has witnessed me in the gym. So I do have that. But here's the deal. When you start working out. You start with small weights. You need to start with small weights because heavy weights are just too much for you. So you start with those small weights and and those tone you for a while. But as you get bigger, as your muscles get stronger, you need to up your weight. You need to start doing harder training, tougher training. Because otherwise you will never see growth. You will never see progress. You will never see improvement. And the Holy Spirit in our lives is like that too. You know, when we receive His Spirit... He gives himself to us. But if we stay stagnant and we don't get deeper and and we don't embrace this new life and live in the spirit, we can't grow and receive all he has for us. To receive fullness in the spirit, we must live in spirit, in the spirit nature. As we live controlled by the Holy Spirit in our arrow points at him, we receive more and more of his fullness. Does that mean that when we receive him, we only get part of him? No. Billy Graham puts it this way. When we are filled with the spirit, it is not a question of there being more of him, as though his work in us is quantitative. It is not how much of the spirit we have, but how much the spirit has of us. He is in us in all his fullness, whether we see this exhibited in our lives or not. When we receive Christ as our Savior and Lord, you and I receive him in full, not just in part. Then, as we come to understand more of Christ's Lordship, and we surrender and yield more and more. So, seeking the fullness of the Spirit, we receive and enjoy his filling and his fullness more and more it isn't about there being more of him it's about there being less of us releasing control and choosing to live to build a relationship with him on august 3rd 2014 my wife and i first attended north county christ the king 
It was an experiment as we were trying to find a, a new church home. And Pastor Kurt had just started uh, a series called Jump. And it was about uh, answering the calling in your life that God has for you. And that first day, right away, the Holy Spirit started whispering to me. He started saying, listen, this is for you. You need to hear this. But I didn't listen. It took three weeks. And in the third week... He got so loud that I couldn't even hear the message or focus on what was being said. And then as my wife and I left that day, we were almost to the fountain out there. And I said, so I think God's telling me to go a different direction in my life. And I need to work in youth ministry. And my wife smacks me in the chest. She said, I've been telling you that for years. I guess she was more filled with the Holy Spirit than I was. That day, we went to Safeway after church, and we were in the parking lot, and I hear, Matt Bateman! And I look down, and I see this bald head ducking behind a car. And Matty Gerlach was yelling my name, and I turned to him, I said, we need to talk. And that next Wednesday, we got together, and the following Wednesday after that, I started volunteering in Edge. And there was a night that I remember, and we were in the middle of worship, and we were singing... The song, Christ is Enough. And we got to the part where it says, The cross before me, the world behind me, no looking back, no looking back. I broke down. See, that was my problem. Is that Christ was in front of me. The cross was in front of me. And although I was moving to him, I kept looking back. I kept looking back. I kept holding on to a little bit of that sin in my life. Holding on to that control. I kept feeding that sin nature. But I surrendered to the Spirit. And He's taken more and more and more and more of me. I gotta tell you that what happens in that edge, in that edge room, in that edge program, it is not by my hand or my power. It is the Holy Spirit working in the lives of your kids. You know the saying, what goes in is what comes out? I think it's more like what goes in is what controls you. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's controlling your life? What does your time consist of? Is it glorifying to Christ? Or does it offend the Holy Spirit? When you get up in the morning, do you turn to Facebook or do you turn to God's book? This is something I struggle with. You know, I honestly, I don't really don't like to read. But I do like pictures. So social media works well for me. And there are times where social media becomes a little bit more appealing than God's word. But as we turn to him, as, as we work, as we grow, as we surrender more and more, those desires become bigger and bigger and bigger. And soon you find yourself desiring to read the word of God. There's different ways it can be done. If you hate to read, there's audiobook. 
I have, I have an app on my phone that's called Streetlights and has the entire New Testament and some other, I guess you call them listening plans that are all set to music. So not only does it give me the word, it gives me music at the same time and I love it. You know, we live in a world where we have the most readily available and creatively delivered word ever. And yet people don't read it. I read a study from, uh, from Lifeway Research that said that less than 20% of church attenders actually read their Bible daily. It seems like we'd rather watch a girl put on makeup on YouTube or watch somebody open a package than open our Bible. How do we expect to have a close relationship with God if we don't even know his word? Do you spend time talking with Jesus? Do you have conversations with him? Or do you struggle to even focus on prayer? You know, I've had times where I can't count how many times I've had where I'm talking to Jesus. Next thing I know, I'm apologizing because I've gotten so distracted by some random thing and my mind just went off into left field. You know, prayer doesn't have to be this big, lofty, serious, huge thing full of Christianese words. It's a conversation with God. It is simple. He just wants to have a conversation with us. And you don't have to have your eyes closed, your heads bowed, your hands folded. It can be done while you're driving. Please don't have your eyes closed in prayer while you're driving. It can be done at your desk. It can be done while you're on a walk or on a run. Or it can be done even as Maddie Gerlach puts it, as an arrow prayer. Where it's just a quick shot to say, God, I love you. You know, every conversation you have with your spouse, is it like super serious and emotional and desperate? Yeah, I hope not either. God just wants to talk to us. Just like a conversation we have with our friends. God wants to have a conversation. He wants to have a relationship with you. Are you giving in to temptation and relying on the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you fighting that, sp- that sin or are you giving in to it? I'll confess that there are areas of my life where I feel like Paul. That, that, that I do the things I don't want to do. And I don't do the things that I do want to do. There are times when I regret the way that I talk to the people in my life. The people that I love. Where I react out of anger and then I have to go back and apologize. Do you ever have it where you can almost see yourself from the outside? And you're looking at yourself and you're like, stop. Stop talking. It's enough. Stop. Be quiet. Don't keep going. You're making things worse. It's like, it's like verbal diarrhea. It's like, it just keeps coming and coming and coming and you can't make it stop. This is something I've struggled with my entire life. And I've grown a lot in it because the Holy Spirit has worked 
a lot on me. But I'm still not where I need to be. Are you holding on to control in your life or are you surrendering it? You know, even writing this message, even writing this message, I struggled to let the Holy Spirit have control. I started writing and it was just chaos. It was a complete and total mess. It was so disorganized. I was so frustrated. I was so stressed out. I texted Pastor Kurt and I said, we need to get together. I need your help. I'm freaking out. And then I sat down and I prayed. And I turned it over to the Holy Spirit. Started over. And he went. And he did the message. He inspired it. You know, that, that, that inspiration comes from right here. This is God's word. He is the one who teaches us. He is the one we need to turn to to learn. He is the one who should have control on our lives. Are you tempted to ignore the Spirit's call on your life because it's harder or not as comfortable as what you're in right now? I get tempted. I've had opportunities that could make my life pretty comfortable opportunities where i get the praise and glory and that sounds pretty good i've had opportunities where i could go follow the almighty dollar but do you know what brings me back 110 and 11 year olds in a room praising god with their hands raised in surrender i have this vivid picture Of our Savior who has been beaten and whipped and whipped and whipped. Our Savior who's having sticks pounded over his head to have thorns driven into his scalp and skull. A Savior hanging on a cross, struggling to breathe, writhing in pain, naked and in shame. Because of my sin. But a Savior who did it willingly. Who chose to love me. Even though I have this sin nature. That's what brings me back to him. Because he loves me. And he loves you. Please understand that I'm preaching this to myself. I am a sinful man. I am not perfect. Paul didn't say that the struggle doesn't stop. He said that it continues. It gets harder. It is a continual fight. And, 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 and I know that the Holy Spirit can and will use more of me. And he can and will use more of you. If you surrender to him. But why does he fill us? What is his reason? The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ. In Acts 8, we read about a man named Simon in Samaria. He was a sorcerer and he had a big following. 
But after seeing the power displayed by Philip and the apostles, he chose to believe and was baptized. Acts 8, 17 starts, Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you for thinking that God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Why was Peter angry? Because Simon's motives were selfish. He didn't want the power of of the Holy Spirit to give glory to Christ. He wanted it to want it. He wanted it to have power. In John 16, Jesus says of the Holy Spirit, He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. The Holy Spirit doesn't give us gifts or truth or power for our own glory. And he doesn't even give them for his own glory. He gives them for the glory of Jesus Christ. There's two ways in which the Holy Spirit fills us with power to bring glory to Christ. Our goal in our life should be to bring glory to Christ. And so he gives us the power to live a holy life. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. When Jesus is teaching this, he's saying, it's not about you. It's about him. Do it all for him. When we live in the spirit Our desires become less and less about ourselves. We make decisions in our lives, choices of direction in order to glorify Christ and further his kingdom. It no longer becomes about what I want, but what God wants. And and, and we can't do this outside of the spirit. His power is what allows us to break free from the control of sin and live that holy life. Sometimes it can be hard for us. But thank God he has given us his spirit and we don't have to do it alone. The Holy Spirit also fills us with power for service so that we can bring glory to Christ. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit filled the disciples. They were all together and the Holy Spirit came like a rushing wind. There was fire and everybody started speaking in tongues and they went out to preach the gospel to the people. And Peter, Peter, who just a few, a few days earlier was afraid to even tell a little girl that he knew Jesus. He gets up in front of thousands of people and he declares Jesus Christ as Lord He gives the keynote sermon and 3,000 people are saved. 
But he didn't stop. He kept preaching. He kept, he went out and he started healing through the power of Holy, of the Holy Spirit. And another 5,000 were saved. And then the, the, the religious leaders, they got upset when they saw him healing a man in the name of Jesus. And they brought him and John in front of them. But the word says that he was filled with the Spirit. And so he spoke boldly. He holds nothing back. Acts 4.10 Let me clearly state to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It is Peter's full mic drop moment. And the religious leaders don't know what to do. All they can do is tell them, stop preaching about Jesus and leave. But did they stop? No. They were given power from the Holy Spirit to serve and bring glory to Jesus. Church, this power from the Holy Spirit is not gone. God still performs miracles today. The Holy Spirit still gives gifts of different types to different people today. There seems to be this lack of faith in the Christian church in the Holy Spirit and his activity. Like like somehow he's become inactive. But the only reason for that would be because of our own lack of understanding and surrender. If we are not willing to accept the gifts that he has for us, we can't receive them. In Acts 17, 6, it says that Paul and Silas were out preaching the word and they were turning the world upside down. This wasn't their power. This was the Holy Spirit filling them and working through them. I want to be part of a church that's turning the world upside down. Do we want to be a church that offends the spirit? Do we want to be a church that holds on to the sin in our lives? Do we want to be a people who try by our own sinful nature to be good? I don't want that. I don't want that. I want to be a person who gives all of myself, who brings glory to Jesus in all I do, who receives all that the Holy Spirit has for me so that I can do all I can for him. I want to be a part of a church where miracles are happening. Where a person walks through those doors and they can feel the Holy Spirit when they step in. I want to be part of a church that is so filled with the Holy Spirit and he is so active that Satan is afraid to come against us. This is what I want to be part of and I know I believe in Jesus. I believe in his word. I believe in the Holy Spirit and I know that it is possible if we surrender. If We release control if we let him have the power in our lives, in our church. Don't hold on to that sin nature. Repent of it. Let it go. 
surrender and embrace the Holy Spirit. Accept the power that he gives you over the sin in your life. Accept the power that he gives you to live a holy and powerful life to the glory and the honor and the praise of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We need your spirit present. We need the power of your spirit. Lord, we cannot live holy lives on our own. We need you. Help us to surrender to you. Help us to give you control. Help us to shed off that old life. To repent and turn to you. Help us to receive you. And then control us with your spirit. Control us with your power. Control us with your gifts. Help us to produce fruit. So that the world can see you through us. Lord, I know that you are here. Holy Spirit, I know that you are working. And I know that there's people that were like me that you're telling them right now. You're not doing it for me. You're holding on. But I want you. Spirit, speak strongly. Help them to listen. Help them to respond to you. Thank you, Spirit, that you have a relationship with us. Thank you that you live in us. You're working and you are active in our church. We love you.